Welcome to Technology Forward, where we explore trends and developments in the additive manufacturing industry. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening. One of the drivers of additive manufacturing 3D printing technology today is sustainability. I'm here with Nadav Goshen, President and CEO at MakerBot, to discuss this topic. So thank you for being with me here today. Thank you for having me, Leslie. Let's start with a description of what is meant by 3D printing and sustainability. Uh, that's a very wide subject. I think uh, you know, 3D printing is all about changing the way we make things and the effect it has on the overall production uh, is enormous from the design phases up to the manufacturing. And in each part of the journey from a design to a part, 3D printing brings a lot of value uh, into uh, sustainability. And just, you know, something that not people, many people think about is when you need to host a bunch of parts somewhere for the future use, and then it costs money to, you know, to, to make sure they are kind of stored in the right place and, and to transport them back and forth, etc. And when you move into 3D printing or additive manufacturing, all of that is kind of eliminating by producing the part where it needed, when it needed. So just to the extreme of where we can get with the technology. So for the definition that you're working with then, then we're talking more about how we can store designs as opposed to storing product. We don't need the stock room. We can just store the digital version of something. That's correct. That's exactly correct. I think this is one element. You know, the element is like right now, we are kind of, because the way we fabricate things, we are kind of constrained by the need to have parts ready, not necessarily when they are needed. And, and 3D printing and additive manufacturing can change that. So the, the digital elements of additive manufacturing and 3D printing can really take all of this waste out of the system and, and make sure that like, we are really more uh, considerate about our resources when we kind of you know, build things. Uh, and that's on the manufacturing side. On the design side, when you think additive, when you design additive, you have much more um, opportunities to really, for example, cut cost or, and, and waste in the process. So you can change both edge edges of the process, even in the design element, when you design more sustainable uh, in mind, in sustainability in mind, or when you get to the production side of things, and then you have much more efficiency on, on that side. So it's okay. pretty, really big. Okay, let's go into a little bit about the design element of sustainability. What are some of the trends that you see possible now with 3D printing and its effects on sustainability? So, so I think there are two main things and that is happening. As the technology becomes more mature, I think we have the ability to really design in additive and what was not available in the past. So once we have more access to entry-level 3D printers, more designers and engineers can really experiment with the technology. And, and that kind of brings a new design thought into, I would say, a process of uh, engineering product. So we see that trend coming along. And for example, in some industries, we see that 
subtractive design is really eliminating um, the way you do stuff or because you need to do multiple parts. You do multiple parts, you have double the molds. You have double the molds, you have double the factories, double the waste, you know? And once you think in additive, then you can combine these two parts into one. And then you really cut in almost in half the overall environmental cost to produce this part. So we see that trend coming along. And by the way, there are great economical and drivers to that kind of trend because sustainability by itself needs to be fueled by the industry to make it more, uh, I would say, embedded within the companies, I would say PNL and the way they think about uh, process because otherwise it becomes out of the process. And when you see that, we see that, for example, in aviation and, and aerospace, for sure, uh, that kind of additive thinking really translates into um, you know, lower or kind of, I would say, less uh, complicated in, and also lighter parts. When you have that, then you know, it translates immediately into less or better fuel economy. So all of this process is kind of making a full circle from the possibilities we have to the economic value and then to the overall process of manufacturing. I'd like to explore a little bit about what you said about 3D printing, additive manufacturing, and its effect on the PL statement. I think engineers in general are becoming very comfortable with the technology, and we're seeing more units, especially desktop units, coming into the um, engineering fields. But where are the gaps as far as working with the accounting, the C-level suites, the, the P&L area, and how can we, what can be done to push that along? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think, and this is, by the way, this is the mission for MakerBot, is to make 3D printing accessible for every engineer. And I think for us, uh, we know that, you know, um, there is a saying that nobody gets fired to, for buying, uh, you know, <laughs> Volvo, whatever, right? <laughs> so, so innovation uh, imposes a risk uh, building with it. And I think one of the main challenges is sometimes engineers are more comfortable with change because they are closer to the technology and they are really have a hands-on experience with that. Where sea levels are a bit further away from it and they have this, I would say, gap of knowledge and experience that potentially puts that technology in a higher risk area than what it should be. And part of that is to how to communicate to this C-level executive that you know, the technology is matured and there are use cases across the world. And with the pandemic, we saw that really rising up to the level uh, of awareness that it wasn't before. That's one thing. The second thing I think is what I call the cost of insurance. Nobody understands how much it costs not to have things unless you have an insurance for it, right? There is insurance that is covering the events of where it's not being really prepared for. And again, the pandemic also proved to us that if we are not putting these insurance policies in place, when time comes, then there is a big cost to it. And part of additive manufacturing and 3 printing is kind of an insurance to supply chain shortages and to everything that might happen, did happen. And therefore, I think like these economic factors were not really put into the overall calculation. And I think both of them are changing. Now, the risk averse nature is changing and the need to understand 
or the understanding that the need to invest in a different way to manufacture and to have a supply chain strategy uh, is also something that companies should invest in. Yeah, that's very interesting. And, and the supply chain certainly pointed out just how, how much additive manufacturing, 3D printing can contribute to handling crises to come up and do it quickly. I agree. You know, we saw that here in New York and, and many other places in the world that like, you know, the first technology that stepped in to fill these gaps is through the printing, you know? Uh, we, I don't like, we have a short memory. Less than two years ago, there was a big shortage of uh, PPEs uh, in the States. And the first to step in and to kind of fulfill this gap were through the printers. That's one thing. I think the second thing, and, and this goes to the, to the risk uh, element of this new technology, I think as more and more desktop and I would say entry-level machines are, are coming to the market with the high performance, the investment that is needed to, to get this technology into your organization is lower. And that's also another factor that brings this technology into a much more, uh, I would say, consideration level for C executives. Systems that are, uh, you know, that are capable, that are engineering grade, are, are being sold for like a few thousands of dollars. And, and that's not a big investment. I know if, then if you want to move up and up into the, you know, when you have a proven use case, then you can invest the hundreds and maybe dozens of thousands that is required to get like a manufacturing grade machine. But I think all of this kind of thing combined with the actual hidden cost in the supply chain kind of gets to the C executive to really consider their strategy around supply chain, manufacturing, and, and overall engineering. Now, is there something that the engineer can do to communicate to the C-suite uh, the importance of investing in this technology? Is there a need at this point? I think so. I think, I think there, is, there is this opportunity that we have now to really, you know, as an engineers and as kind of product designers, to really say, you know, there is a new technology. That technology can unlock, you know, this and that new opportunities for us and just prove uh, through some kind of a concept, uh, I would say, uh, process, a hypothetical kind of change. And with the desktop machine and this concept, I would say, iteration, and, you know, it's like in, in the software world, it's called kind of, uh, you know, hackathon days and stuff like that. You can prove the concept by, by, with a smaller investment. And I think this is what we need to go, because if you go too much theoretical, uh, it, then it becomes less tangible for the C uh, executive. If you go with something which is too distant from your day-to-day -day needs, then similarly, it doesn't really have the effect. But if you go with a small proof of concept, that you can validate in a few thousands of dollars and, and get it into the awareness of the executive in your company, then I think you can really change their mindset and get more openness to, to a further exploration of such a process. And that's what we need. We need someone to open the door. Once the door is open, the technology and the process, you know, as it's been proven across bigger and, and much more uh, you know, complicated industries like aerospace and aviation and had proven, you know, others will follow, but we just need the door open to the innovation that 3D printing brings. Do you think uh, because this technology 
covers such a wide range of capabilities, it's thought of both as a desktop unit and then as a potential manufacturing system. Do you think we're entering an era where there's a lot more confusion, especially with the C-suite regarding just what is this technology and what is it useful for and why do we need to go there? 100%. I think with all 100%, I think like this is like the, you know, the, the good trap of innovation. You know, when you have something so innovative and then, you know, the possibilities are kind of enormous and then it becomes a bit, uh, as I said, the challenge is it becomes not tangible and not realistic. And then the C-suite, when they see everything around them in the media, they kind of lose confidence in the practical engineering uh, that this technology can bring to their own day-to-day -day challenges. You know, I'm a C-suite. I, I know my challenges. They're not in the conceptual world. They're in the practical world what I need to get a decision uh, about investing in something new is how does that translate into a pragmatic, let's, let's be more kind of executive PNL contribution to my business. And I think once we look into that, I think this is where we need that engineer and that she or he will really take it into a more practical approach. And this is where desktop printers come to place with a very low investment. Yeah. Capable machines can come and say, I have this idea, I have this concept that I can change the way uh, our products are being made. I can change the way supply chain in our company is being dealt with. I can do all of that, but here is a small concept that I can go to and, and communicate that to my colleagues and my managers and make it tangible in their mind. Because if you go, if you look at the news, Turing printing can do everything from building houses to, I don't know, build a new uh, a, a, a new colony in Mars, which right. they which we could do but you know it's like computing right computing is can do everything but then it's not tangible to me and some of it is unrealistic right and <laughs> it depends on the time frame so we need that transition from an inspiring technology into a practical technology so from innovation to engineering and i think what is really happening is what happened in the computing industry maybe 20 years ago, where it became more accessible. Once it's being in the hands of, by the way, more and more engineer in an affordable and, and I would say an accessible way, and also with, with a level of quality that is required from an engineering product, then I think this two things will happen. One is the validation of the technology will come into place into the organization with not such a high investment. And the second thing is the new use cases will come along and, and just because now you tie this technology to multiple uh, solutions, then you will find more and more proof case to that use case. And then it will explode and explode and explode. So I think this is like happening right now, what happened in computing maybe 20 years ago. So correct me if I'm wrong, but do a lot of engineers have a discretionary budget that they can buy a desktop 3D printer with? They don't have to justify it beyond their own immediate need or even their supervisor? 100%. We see that in, in MakerBot. What we are now offering, we're offering a, a, what we call like a Swiss Army knife for 3D printing. It's an engineering grade machine, desktop in size, capable to print with inaccuracy that is at par with higher end machines. But also the workflow is very, very uh, easy because you have, for example, water soluble support. You don't need anything else. You go to your sink and, and you just you know, get your part 
and and because the support material is both doesn't require anything and it can drain safely so I think all of that is coming to place and we see that the, our customer base is changing from a decision maker to the actual engineers and they look around and they see what do I need and then you know in, as I, as you said they have this discretionary budget and they can opt to uh, to try this technology and I think this comes in more and this really will translate into this kind of further adoption of the technology. It definitely seems to be following much more of the personal computer model of so many years ago, where a few people would go ahead and just buy it, try a few things, and then everybody gradually started seeing the usefulness of it. Yeah, and you know, I can speak from my old age about when I kind of uh, came to my first computer lab when I was like in high school. And, you know, you literally had to kind of uh, take your shoes off before <laughs> entering the room, right? Because it was a sacred place. And a few years after, I think I got like, for my bar mitzvah, I got like a, you know, a personal computer. It wasn't very capable. It was, it had, it had like 32 megabytes of RAM and that's it. Okay. But like, it really changed the way I think about computer and, and about technology because I had this kind of hands-on experience starting very young. So I think like this change is happening, but it is, the, it, I think the main challenge within, between 3D printing and computing, because computing is like mostly a, what we call like, and not a kind of a cross, I would say cross technology product. 3D printers is really a combination of, uh, you know, chemistry, computing embedded, uh, and, and all of it has to kind of work together. So it's a much more complex, process to control versus uh, you know electric uh, circuits on boards so i think this is like what is kind of changing the way this technology has been widely spread because it's easy to get something it's very hard to get it tuned well and wow. i think that's the challenge i think there are many desktop machines but they are not practical because they, they get to the point where the printer part but it's not repeatable it's not dimensional accurate and and it's really not easy to use and it does, it's not reliable. And when you have this, and this we had in the last few years, then you know, it contributes to the confusion and also to the frustration of users. So we need to get the technology into the stage where it's reliable and, and repeatable and, and it's really engineering grade. So this is, this is the journey. It's like it's different between desktop and engineering grade machine. So we need to make sure that we have engineering grade machine at the hand of anyone uh, that has a practical use to it. So I think that's what is happening right now. Because it's very fragmented, people group them together, desktop and what we call engineering grade. They are similar size. Uh, you know, maybe they cost double the desktop one, but it's a different, it's a different level uh, of what I call in-process tuning that is required to get these engineering grade machines out there. Yeah. So they use so and I think that is like where it's very that's I think which is very different than computing. Because in computing, I think that in-process tuning was built in because right. it's electronics, right? And in 3D printing, it's a combination of, I wouldn't get into the details, but every engineer know that like, you know, taking a, a solid, liquefying it, and then getting it back to solid involve <laughs> in a micron level accuracy and it involves a complex system to make sure that you can control it and you can maintain the same results. That's very different than a glue gun, which has the same thing. It takes solid, liquefy it and it becomes solid, but it's not controllable. So I think this is 
where I think the difference between desktop and what we call engineering grade machine. So now, how would you categorize the various types of 3D printing and additive manufacturing systems out there today? When I came to make about, I think I had to distinguish between three different elements. One was what we call the hobbyist market. The hobbyist market is, or like the maker market is the original kind of, you know, the, the origin uh, of the desktop movement is, is a great market. I'm, I'm, I'm a user, <laughs> but it's a market that has traits in, in trying to get something to work and the willingness of the user to participate in the result process means that I'm involved in the process of making because I'm a maker. I enjoy that process of making it successful, but it's not a professional use case. So there is one that we call the maker space or the maker movement, which is great. The second thing is education. And education has a different needs because they use the technology for learning purposes. So they use 3D printing to a learning process to make learning much more immersive. And we see great success in that in many schools because it ties to STEM education in many ways. So that's the second market. The third one is what I call entry-level engineering, which we are operating in, which is what they spoke, an accessible and affordable engineering-grade machine that is still aimed to the individual engineer. It's still, to, it's still targeting the individual engineer, but it brings to the table a well-tuned, reliable engineering-grade device uh, that is, can be used for professional purposes to design and engineer uh, parts. The second layer up is what I call, like what we call, we call it the shared office or something like that, which is the bigger size of that individual printer. That is like a, a natural expansion of that individual printer. And then on top of this comes various levels of scalability in terms of, you know, materials, in terms of manufacturing focused printers. And then it's become much more specific. You can have, you know, it's, then you move from the, prototyping and, and small plastic production parts to a much wider manufacturing. And this is another world by itself of what we call, you know, specific AI market. So it's a very, for me, it's a very kind of staged approach. And all of, ha- all of this is using the same technology, but it, they're not the same products. So I think like there are different products, different customers, different needs. All of them use the same underlying technology, but you know, classifying them together uh, is probably not accurate and could contribute to the confusion that we already have uh, in this fragmented industry. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing. Um, do you have any final thoughts that you would like to add? I think I'm, I'm excited to, to be in this kind of state of the industry. I think the industry is kind of, uh, you know, went from the hype that everything will be fast and you know and all of the problems will be solved in 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 minutes and in two days we'll have you know a 3d printer and at each house without thinking about the basics of what products are product needs to serve specific purpose so there was a big confusion between the technology and the the applications and the product translation of that technology and i think by the way it's it's for any Every hype cycle goes through that because the, the, the possibilities are so big that you kind of take away in your mind all of the, the challenges of how you take this technology and make it an application. 
And I think we are now in the stage where we matured enough to really take this technology into different applications and also to, by the way, to the greater good of our, you know, our industry. It's the way like the physical world around us is being, you know, being orchestrated. And I think this is the, the challenge or the exciting stage of it. How do you take this and then now you make it? We know our challenges is, as a community is way, way, way bigger than 3D printing. And, and you can take but the technologies and you know, the challenges that we have, specifically about sustainability, in a different way. I just showed that there is like, you know, the, a new uh, you know, nuclear fusion technology that can change the way we deal with, uh, with, with, with energy, right? So there are many, many innovations. 3D printing can come to that in, in, in the over, reducing the overall cost that we already pay. Not in the future, because we're paying that bill for this uh, warehouse somewhere that stores hundreds of thousands of parts that nobody will use uh, in the coming, I don't know, few years, uh, but we keep them. So I think that's the cost that you're paying today. This, so we can reduce the cost today if we just change the way we think about manufacturing in general. Well, thank you very much for your time, Nadav. I appreciate it. I appreciate your thoughts too. Thank you. Thanks for having me.